Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Ben did the countdown before I clicked record, so that's why I'm laughing as we start this podcast, because I usually go 3-2-1, and this time Ben did 3-2-1, and it caught me off guard, and I laughed. But we are I here. my best to cause problems. To not count, not count 3-2-1, Ben, but count 1-2-3-4 for the corners that we're going to be looking at today. You, you see the segue? I, did. I, that I didn't is, like that. Come on. That's why we get paid the big bucks. Oh, we do? And by that, I mean, you know, minimum wage in the state of Wyoming. Enough money to eat. <laughs> yeah, enough money to maybe think about sometimes getting double meat at Chipotle. I got Chipotle today because it was free guac there or whatever. Oh, did you really? You know what? Yeah, it was it was National Avocado Day or something. So they were like, do you just want guacamole? And I was like, I would have paid extra for it anyway. I got to admit... Oh wow! I haven't. Disappointing. I haven't had Chipotle in dead ass no. three months. Wow! What does it feel like to be a fake hypocrite liar, not friend, enemy of the podcast? It is really weird, man. I don't. I don't know what's. I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't tell you the last time I had it. Trevor, I will post Mitch Chipotle for you tomorrow for the show to rectify this issue. We got to do it right before Fan Friday. That's what I'm saying. Because I gotta be, I gotta be jazzed for the show, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm feeling zesty with a little bit of green, green, uh, green covered Tabasco. Did any of the? Oh, that's a good choice. Did any of these quarterbacks get you or cornerbacks? I keep saying second time. Get you jazzed, Ben? Yes. Which one? Wait, do you want to do? Do you want to do it right away? You want to save it for last? Sure, we do right away. Okay. Um, And like maybe maybe jazz is too strong, but I'm gonna tell you right now. Marquise Brown made a lot of corners look really stupid. Oh yes, here we and go. Holmes out of UCLA. Here we go, baby. Yes, he was I'm not s- one of them. Yes, and, I'm, I'm so glad you like him. Darnay Holmes is built to cover Brown. He is undersized. He's not long, and he's got fantastic speed. There's instances of, of Marquise Brown blocking him downfield in like yak situations. Very few corners last year getting blocked by Marquise Brown downfield, and Holmes is one of them. He's not super physical. Doesn't recruit his hands, but the dude can fly. I mean, his speed is unbelievable. And I think that, you know, we're talking about a a, a, a redshirt sophomore last year. Wait, Andrew did you say where he's from? Did you say where he's from? No, I'm saving that for the end. It's like a, it's, it's going to be shocking. No, that's not how this goes. That's so not how this goes. <laughs> Darn a Holmes. This is not how we're supposed to do it. Former Five-star cornerback at UCLA. He's about 5'10", 200. That's what he's listed at. I bet he's like that 5'9", 5'10", range. Probably like 195. I don't want to skimp him too much on that. But he's a smaller dude. His number does not start with a 2. That's the important thing to know. Right. Definitely does not start with a 2. He has a ton of confidence, though. This kid, I... uh, He... (laughs) <laughs> okay, so you know the play that he took JJ home or JJ Taylor from behind and he punched it out like right yes, before he got in the end yes, zone. Yes. Incredible Legendary play, right? Play. Incredible play. You love to see that from a football player. You love the competitiveness. Compete, as Mike Gundy would famously say. Darnay Holmes was asked about that play and he said, quote, honestly, just another play in my book. As the person I am, I expect myself to make that play. 
Jeez. Jeez. You watched the the Cincinnati game? Uh, No, I don't think I did. No. All right. So Cincinnati game, he's got he got this downfield pass breakup on this deep post against this kid who just like this is playing Cincinnati. Cincinnati was a good group of five program last year, but this receiver is like his height, his size, and like clearly slower. Like Holmes just 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 sits on top of this route all the way down the field off coverage. Like he's never even threatened once by him. You know, uh, elevates pass breakup. It's a it's 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 a good play, but it's a very routine play when you're the level of athlete that Holmes is. Holmes gets up from this pass breakup like he just took Julio Jones' legs out under him on fourth and goal with the Super Bowl on the line, right? <laughs> he got his jaw a little bit, he's shaking his head a little bit, he turns to the sideline, wags his finger. It was like second and seven. Like, this is such an important play to Holmes. Um, right, this is a guy. There you go. Dramatic. There you go. This is a guy. Started as a retro freshman, retro sophomore. He's got 25 starts under his belt, six career interceptions, 11 career pass breakups. He's got decent production on the ball in terms of what he's done over his first two seasons. And you can see that he's an intelligent player. He's a risky player. He's an aggressive player. He's not a a player I yet trust in press coverage at the line of scrimmage. But this is a guy who's who's definitely learning how to play with physicality down the field. I think that he's able to be physical when it comes to addressing the catch point. He's got that alpha mentality. I don't think he wins against sides, but I think he holds his own. Uh, And then this is a player who in off coverage where he's taken outside of of the realm of having to play physically where he's taken to a place where you can just read backfields and close downhill electric right and then i talked a little bit when i was talking about uh jeffrey coot and cj henderson on yesterday's podcast you can't make a living just playing in space playing in space trying to bait throws it's not that easy uh but darnay holmes is, is effective in those sorts of coverages and so mm-hmm. we have a player who while he might be a slot at the next level yeah i was as already shown that he can be a matchup guy for your opposing team's speed threat because he can absolutely fly he plays really well with his back to the ball and he turns and locates quickly and he's fantastic addressing the catch point i was gonna say um darnay holmes is not gonna be cb1 for me but he very might be what i want as a cb1 for a nickel guy and i've said before on this podcast it's just as important in, in today's nfl you have to have a guy where you can put three cornerbacks on the field and shut all three wide receivers down. The days are gone where the guy who's playing nickel is just the third best corner on your team. That's just not what is the case anymore. You need three good defensive backs. And if you don't have them, you're going to get cooked. You probably need four, honestly, um, to play. And I'm not even talking about safeties. I mean, I guess just corners. Or you're going to get cooked by a lot of what today's modern NFL is. They're just going to mismatch you too well. Darnay Holmes is kind of that perfect mismatch nickel defender in a league that's always going to be gunning for him. I thought that Chauncey Garner-Johnson really showed a lot of skills playing from a safety position to possibly be that kind of a player in last year's draft. Darnay Holmes isn't of the same build. He's much more of a true corner than Chauncey Garner-Johnson was as a safety. But same kind of thing. I'm playing both those guys in the slot. You throw a tight end out there. You could throw one of the better receivers out there. Guys who are those go-to security blanket players, whether they're big-time players or just guys that you go to to get the ball down the field, get first downs, whatever. It's all important, and you got to shut them down. And Darnay Holmes, I think I thought did a really good job on his film showing traits. You talked about playing really good with his back to the ball. Then he's got quick feet. He's confident. He's good with his hands. I think he's got great ball skills. That's also really important when you're playing between the hashes, between the numbers, because the ball's getting to you a lot quicker. But you were, you open this up the right way. When he played against Marquise Brown, a guy who was a first-round player, basically solely off of his speed, he kept up with him. 
and he gave him fits. Right. And, and that's the thing is, I watched Cincinnati first. That's like, going right, to be good. Sick. Like, you know, good game against Cincy. That's fun. And I was like, all right, let's watch Oklahoma and see how he loses to Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> right? And then, like, like he didn't get over Lamb much. They kept him on Brown with good for Rick and Reed. Uh, that was a very impressive and eye-opening performance. The, the other thing that's worth noting Talk about the J.J. Taylor chase, chase down and, and all the plays that he makes with a high motor and a high speed. When this guy gets picks, house call. I mean, he is a flip-the-field player. And I would not be shocked to see if an NFL team wants him to return the football. Right now, uh, he had significantly more returns in year one than he did in year two. But he housed, he had four kickoff returns in 2018, and he housed one of them. So he was like there, you know, like we really need a, a spark plug sort of a situation. His freshman year is four in the Pac-12 in, in return yards. Like this is a guy who is going to be able to provide special teams value in receiving the football, making guys miss, and having home run speed. He's a good player. Love him as a nickel guy. Really do love him. Who? All right, we got a couple longer guys, much longer guys that we're going to talk about next, guys who win with some length if they win at all. Who do you want to talk about next? We got three other guys. Well, I think there's one of them that's still small, which is uh, AJ Terrell's not. I don't think he's super long. Um, but what do they got AJ Terrell listed at? They got AJ Terrell listed like six two, dude. He's listed six. Yeah, he's listed six one. I don't think he's super long. I don't think Bynum is. Or Bynum's pretty long. Bynum's um, pretty Dan, long. Cameron Dancelot at Mississippi State is the one who's who is in, in unbelievably disruptive because he's huge, right? And it's like his, it's certainly his how he wins. Yeah, right. Right, it, it's his footwork's not good. Um, yeah. He's got nice recovery athleticism. He can also fly a little bit, and he's like so he's six two and he's long, like I said. But I mean, he and Holmes are probably the same weight. Dancer's got insanely thin hips. Uh, he does not carry a ton of mass. In the thin lower hips, now, man. We don't hear that often. That's that's no. that's some that's some real scouting right there. Some thin hips. He does. He's got well. This is like you know when you're talking about rather, how much. Would you rather would you rather have thin hips or thin mints? With thin mints, I can eat those. I already have thin hips. Let's be honest here. So, no, you, so, is, you, um, so you just want both? I just I would like some thin mints. That's all, that's but if all you I'm eat, too, but right if you now, eat, Trevor. but if you eat too many thin mints, then you're not gonna have thin hips. Okay. Well, no, I disagree. I will have a thick waist, but hips are, are. This is like how we evaluate in terms of how much mass a player can put on. If you've got thin hips, if you got thin shoulders, if you're just not broad, you can put on a lot of weight. Much, just not good weight. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, Dantzler is a guy who came in like at like 160 or something, and he's tall. So there's really, really uh, a lack of bulk. Right, he's what we call a linear frame, and he's put on a significant amount of weight. At Mississippi State. He's going to continue to put on weight. Mississippi State has had success with their weight, uh, with their weight training, with their strength program. Ask Montez Sweat. He was already a freak athlete, but like you know, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Abram, like these guys. They tested well and also were incredibly cut by the time that they left the Bulldogs program. And so you expect Dantzler to continue to bulk. Mm-hmm. However, tall, rail thin, doesn't put on a ton of mass. Now, he's been a good athlete since he came out, and he's retained speed at a bigger weight, right? And so he was a, he was a, a, a good track athlete when he was lighter. He remains a good track athlete who can pace guys down the field. He is impressive and effective. And this reminds me a little bit of a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and Carlton Davis who played for Auburn. Uh, Davis was also about six Never heard player. of player. He was also long. Um, listen, he's going to break out in the top bowls. You watch. Um, Dan, uh, he's Davis starting on the also, outside, so. 
he's he's a he's a member of the brand. I am on record saying that Carlton Davis's highly advanced press coverage for a uh, for a, a college player. Do you have him now, top fifty? Probably. Did you? Oh, okay. I would guess so. Yeah, I can I can look it up, but I'm pretty sure I'm in thirties. Oh wow. Okay, so you're a big Carlton Davis guy. I I'm liked a big him. Carlton Davis fan. I liked him. Yeah. Now. Okay, but anyway, so the similarity between Dantzler and Davis here is in that four upright guys, they can get their hips low, flip, and run, right? And, and Davis, very effective at the line. Dantzler, not as effective as the line. But when things are developing behind them, whether in off coverage and in a zone or when they've got to get to the recovery phase from press, both are effective dropping their hips, getting that strong, acute angle to the ground, redirecting and, and, and firing out of that that drops. They're both effective change, uh, changing direction, which is impressive for upright players. The issue that you have with Dantzler is his feet are all over the place, right? And this is where we lose Carlton Davis and we end up in Rasul Douglas territory out of West Virginia. Douglas, tall player, upright player, could kind of drop his hips a little bit. Listen, but it was the fact that he this could is a not Ras- keep his feet. This is a Rasul Douglas fan account right here. Is, it, I was a Rasul Douglas fan too. I didn't like Douglas so much as I like Davis. You'll, you're, you might be able to figure out that I have a type here at a corner and it's the kids with vines. Um, the thing is, oh, you rest in be peace, to, Vine. Oh yeah, Rip Vine. You gotta, you gotta be able to keep your feet underneath your shoulders. You have to be able to take smaller, more measured steps. You're not constantly taking these big, massive strides outside of your frame that it's impossible to recover from when you overstep, when you're out of position, when you need to redirect and, and respond to a break, respond to a double move, respond to a cut. And that's the answer to the big issue is that. He struggles to stay connected because he's too, his his stride length is too wide, his base is too wide. He needs to play a little bit lower constantly. He gets upright in his back, back pedal, upright when he's tracking down the field, and he needs to be more willing to take more steps. We talk about step frequency a lot in running backs, but in corners it matters. Take more steps because it, it keeps you tethered to the ground. And when I say more, what I mean is more industrious steps. You know, so you're not in these constant uh, situations where you're gathering all your momentum, where you're taking these gather steps, taking you multiple steps to slow your weight down. This is a dancer's issue right now. It's not an uncommon issue for upright players, but it's what kills him whenever a route is on a straight line. Yeah, I I didn't love his tape. I really didn't. Um, I thought it looked awkward at times. I thought he was playing off coverage because he didn't really know exactly how to keep up with guys. Um, I thought when he was closer up in press, it was a little bit more difficult for him, especially when they were running nine routes on the sideline. You talk about him having track speed. I don't know if I saw that all the time. I don't know if I saw him being enough of an athlete with the size that he was at to make me think that, okay, this is like a special corner. Uh, so I just didn't really see it from him. I didn't really like his tape a whole lot. Got to be honest with you. Uh, you, uh, you and Jordan should throw down. Jordan's a fan. Jordan really likes him. Okay. It does, and and there's there's a path for Dantzler to be interesting. We'll have a chat about it. Yeah, yeah. It's and, and we're at a point now, and if you've been following the podcast all week, you know we're at a point now where Dantzler would be more interesting to talk about, if not for the three days worth of podcasts we did previous, where we've got players <laughs> who are ready, and Dantzler's just not ready. That's probably that's probably very fair. But, uh, that's the thing. Listen, he's a he's a retro, he's a he's a, retro, he's a junior coming out of retro junior, so he doesn't even have to come out this year. We're an underclassman right now, so it's okay to not be ready. You know? I don't I don't think he's going to come out this year. I don't think he is. I I think that you I mean, were let's right. Let's see what he does in the season. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I just think that uh, certainly from what I watched last year, I feel like we're two years away from Cameron Dantzler really putting on enough weight where you could get this guy who. Like has the vines, like you said, has the length, can get some strength with it, can really turn into a good man coverage guy because I saw him in off coverage a lot. And I'm just worried that that's just because either he doesn't have the strength that he needs to have or he just didn't have the straight line speed that he had. I know it's a style of corner, but 
when I watched the way that he played in his body type, I didn't think that that was the most ideal position for him or like how to play the position. So I just wonder why he's playing back so much. I kind of came to the conclusion on a couple of different reps where I went, okay, he didn't exactly stay with that guy as well as I thought that he was going to flipping his hips, getting up the field. So maybe it is just a more comfortability because it's tough for guys when you come into college, whatever position you play, it's hard when you come in at like 160, 170 or something, and you just know that's not a football weight. You've got to get up. Then probably for the first time in their life, they're eating all kinds of stuff. They're strength training. They're coming into their own. So maybe you're right. I guess this would be into the time where this year or next year, we're going to really see where he kind of progresses in his body, in his strength, what he's comfortable with, keeping hopefully some of that explosiveness, getting a little bit faster, getting a little bit stronger, being a little bit, being able to play more of a man-up role because that's the role the NFL is going to want him to play. When you're 6'2", you're looking for a guy to be Carlton Davis, right? You're not looking for a guy to be Rasul Douglas. So those are my thoughts on Cameron Dancer. Mm-hmm. Cameron Bynum. What? You want to go Cameron Bynum? I'm I was, interested to hear. Okay, let's do Bynum. Okay. Thoughts? Not very good. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, that's not, that's it's, not nice, that's, but he's not very good. But it's not wrong. I just did I really didn't love his tape. I didn't think there was a big standout area of what he did well. He's six foot, about a buck eighty, buck eighty five. Plays from Cal. He's been playing a while. I think he started his true freshman year, like true freshman and sophomore year. Let me make sure I got that yeah, right. He's been around for a hot second. Um, no, he did redshirt. So he redshirted in twenty sixteen. Played his freshman year. Played his sophomore year. Um, I, I just wasn't impressed with with a lot of different stuff. Uh, he, he played man up. I uh, watched the USC game. Watched the entire USC game specifically and. I just didn't see a lot of, of, of different making difference making traits from him. I didn't think he had great recovery speed. I didn't think he was super technical when he was up close. When he was off, he was fine, but there's a lot of reps where you're off, where you're kind of looking where you need to be. The ball might not come near you, but it's those difference-making points, whether it is with your length or your technique or your speed, that we've just watched, especially in this cornerback class, so many different guys already in this class. That are way that that offer way more than Bynum does. I, I think he'd, he'd be fine as like a day three pick, I guess. But I'm when I look at him, I, I didn't see a lot of impact plays or potential impact plays or even like that much of a ceiling for him to get better. So that was I was just really unimpressed with with him when I watched him. Yeah, so I'll be one hundred percent honest with you, Trevor. Are you ready for my one hundred percent honesty? Sure. We had we had a spot for we just Bynum got a last spot. And we had uh, him, we had Chase Lucas out of Arizona State, and we had Miles Bryant out of Washington. All players who could have justified this. How did spot. you not pick Miles Bryant? I'll tell you how. Because I like Miles Bryant, and you like Miles Bryant, because we both watched Miles yeah, Bryant. Yeah, okay. And I've watched Chase Lucas. I had uh, not watched Cameron Bynum, and I wanted to watch Cameron Bynum. So I put Cameron Bynum on the list. Uh, as it turns out, we should have watched Chase Lucas or Miles Bryant. Yeah. Uh, and this is not. And, and here's the thing. The, the Cal defensive secondary is low-key. Wait, hold on. Can I just say this? I just got to say this really quick. The um, the stats yes. the, the stats column, when you look up his name, has him listed at 180 pounds. Cal has him listed at 195. Folks. There's no way he's more than 185 max. We have him listed at 180 on the draftnetwork.com. Yeah, that's that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Now, the the Cal defensive secondary, and we talked a little bit about Evan Weaver, the linebacker out of Cal. 
Uh, but the defensive secondary was very interesting. Ashton Davis, free safety, really interesting player, exciting. Jalen Hawkins, strong safety, all-around good guy. He's going to be on NFL radars. Elijah Hicks coming up, a true junior, also an underclassman, is a guy that I know there's been some buzz about. Bynum, as you said, he's been around. NFL scouts have been talking about him now for a couple of years. And Bynum just very plainly is good against bad Pac-12 receivers, and he's bad against good ones. Washington State has taken his lunch money a couple of times. And Cal yeah. plays Washington State tight. But in one-on-one situations, against Desmond Patton, he had no business uh, being out there with that level of athleticism. And I think Bynum is an average athlete who lacks uh, a significant instincts and in zone coverage or uh, technique in, in, in either off-man or in, in press-man uh, to make up for having average athleticism. Like I said, I think he's good against bad players um, because he, he gets where he belongs. He stays there. He plays with discipline it's and good understanding. Way to put it. It's a good way to put he it. He doesn't take risks. Yes, yes. That's yeah, right. I, I just then, void of void of difference making plays the whole time I was watching yeah, this tape. That's right. what I thought. And then you brought up the USC the 2017 game, right? I mean, Deontay Burnett was a guy who like some people liked. You know, like, he had some interest. I think he went seventh round. Maybe he was undrafted to Tennessee. Whatever. I mean, uh, Bynum couldn't tag him. Bynum couldn't tag him. He just yeah. did not have the quickness to keep up with a guy who was a fringe NFL player. Uh, and so to, to believe that he'll be significant against, you know, rostered NFL players is a bit of a stretch. And so I have a player who has some good length, but isn't physical and lacks mass. I have a player that has some some good uh, situational understanding, uh, but lacks true instinct and lacks explosiveness. So I, I have pieces that don't fit and I'm missing the rest of it. It's an incomplete picture right now of Cameron Bynum. And so he'll continue to be viewed by NFL teams like he's been he's been near the lead of pass breakups in the Pac-12 the past two years each season he had eight as a redshirt freshman and nine as a redshirt sophomore those you know in the Pac-12 like that that's seventh and sixth I think it was in those respective years so he's like he's he's going to continue to produce in a power five conference um but I do not see an NFL athlete and then I do not see particular NFL mental or or technique traits to account for that lack of athleticism Clemson's five-star cornerback, AJ Terrell. AJ Terrell. Which one is it? Do you know? I think it's I'll Terrell. Let you know. I think it's Terrell, but I'll double check. I do think it's Terrell. I just want to, you know, make sure I pay my respects to the Terrell and or Terrell family by getting their last name right. As someone whose last name has been butchered many times in sports. Sakema. Oh, Sakima. People call me like people call me Sik- Sikahema for Vi Sikahema. Don't know who that is. Come on, brother. Just Google it. You got it right in front of you. How can I spell Vaisakahema? Just Google it. Actually, I want you to try. I want you to see if you get close. Tell us how. Tell us how. Tell how you're spelling it. I got. I did. I did V I space S I K A H E M A. So I missed the A and Vi. Um. Oh. Former American Tongan football player and television news reporter. Yeah. First Tongan to ever play in the National Football League. See, people know spy. people continue to say my name like him, even though it's not spelled like that. I get Solik, despite the fact that there's no word ever where an A makes an A sound. Yeah, Alyssa told me that people mispronounce her name as like Alisa, and I'm like, what? That's just trying too hard. What are we doing? As Benjamin hey, Solak hey, would say, what hard, are we doing? Can't, can't we just drop in what are we doing out here? Illegal. I think I just did. All right, AJ Terrell. Did we confirm it or did we get off of 
what it no, actually is. No, I was trying to find a highlight video that actually has like the announcer voiceover uh-huh. so I could hear what they say about his name, but I uh-huh. can't find one. Okay, well, AJ, as all of his close friends call him, which we are <laughs> here on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, he's good. I, I, I thought that he was kind of, of, of like the C.J. Henderson mold where these are guys that win with quickness and athleticism. Um, didn't make it. I just he just didn't make a ton of impact plays in in what I watched. Although I do think that he was a little bit more willing or stronger to the tackles, if you want to say that, than Henderson was. But these are guys that kind of went in the same way. I, th- I I group them in. Not that I don't. I wouldn't have my rankings between the three, which you could find out tomorrow. Um, but he he's kind of in that group <laughs> with Henderson and Jeffrey Okuda, where these guys win with quickness, they win with their feet, they win with athleticism, they win with. Smooth movements and quick movements and being explosive. They play the cornerback position like that. Terrell's about 6'2", 6'1", 190, 195. So he's a, he's a longer, skinnier guy. But I think he's certainly a guy who wins with his athleticism. That's what I saw. Yeah, Terrell is fleet of foot. That's a good he way to put it. nimble. Yeah, he's really, he's wicked quick, right? He's got a lot of, a fantastic range of motion through the angles of play. And so there's very little that ends up outside of his influence. That's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because Terrell can play press without using his hands, which press starts from the feet, but you'd like to be able to use your hands to disrupt, you know, uh, uh, kill route timing, take guys off of their path, suffocate them into the sideline, funnel them into safeties, and this is not something that Terrell's really able to do because he doesn't recruit his hands. He just mirror matches. It's a soft shoe technique, which is a bit of a dying technique in press because it's very tricky to play well and it's very high risk, high reward. So it's a blessing in that he's able to play at the line of scrimmage and be a highly effective mirror guy. It's a curse because Terrell gets himself into trouble because he knows he can get himself out of trouble. There's no need to get yourself into trouble in the first place, brother. Just play with a little bit more discipline, a little more patience. <laughs> right? <a> <laughs> This is this is this is what. No, it is, it's a know? good that's a good observation. You're right. Like, I guess you're so very good right. At speed turning. He is. He right? is. Which which like we talked about on a previous podcast is how you recover off of, off of press when they get behind you. Uh, he's so good at speed turning that when he goes to throw a jam, he just steps all the way into it because like listen, if I miss, I'm just gonna speed turn out of this, which like works, but it's not gonna work. Like you just not like if that was how it would work. You know, like everybody would do that. But the thing is, like, that's a very, very rare thing to be able to do at the NFL level. And I don't think that he has that elite level of agility. But the quickness is good. As I said, I don't think he's super tall, or excuse me, super long. But he does have height, and he is good elevating. I think he's quite springy. And so you see him do a really nice job addressing balls at their highest, at the apex in that regard. Very effective clubs and downhill as well. This is a great guy in what we call the vertical third. The vertical third is where you have a receiver who's not really breaking across the field. He's just working the slant, the 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 curl, the deep comeback, and, and, and the go route, right? So all of those routes are kind of staying inside between the hashes and the sideline. He's highly effective defending those routes because he's really good at dropping his hips, sinking, getting into a break, and closing back down on those curls and on those comebacks. But he also has the speed to go down the field, and he's competitive addressing the catch point. Not a physical player, but I don't think – as much so as some of the other guys we've talked to, he's you know a de facto candidate to transition to the nickel. I think that he can survive on the outside oh, as yeah. a near match, yeah, uh, a press corner, and then specifically an off coverage corner. I no, there's no way they start. Him, there's no way they right. start him in nickel. Well, that, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like, I don't think you'd have to start him there. It might be that his skills translate there, and if you're playing a team. If you're playing the Patriots and you're worried about Julian Edelman, he's probably a guy that you can be able to put over him, and he can be effective covering in that slot. Remember Did he play slot? Did you watch him play slot? 
They moved him in and out. Yeah, so they're willing okay. to move him into the slot via matchup, which makes sense. Remember, when we talk about slot play, what's interesting about slot play is that you know you think that the third wide receiver goes there, but really it's a different skill set in terms of what the slot affords you as a wide receiver is a two-way go. As a wide receiver uh, on the boundary, you don't really threaten outcuts, depending on where you're lined up, because the sideline is relatively close. And that's why when we talk about press coverage, we talk about soft shoeing versus step kick. Step kick press coverage utilizes the, the boundary. It's basically playing with inside leverage and forcing you into the sideline because there's really not that much room over there. And so it's limited in terms of the directions you can go. Slot gives you a two-way go. You can outcut, in-cut, move down the field. And so nickel corners need to have, as I said with Terrell at the beginning of the, of the, the segment here, the beginning of the blurb, full range of motion. He can get anywhere he wants to go because he's fluid. He's got very oily hips and he's free. And so he can be a guy who comes over the slot. I don't think he has to because I think he has enough size to survive on the outside. You want to get him more physical. You want to make him a stronger presence in the run game. Accordingly, he could probably use a little more mass. And then the weird question, and this is not dissimilar to Akuda. If you just play man coverage your whole life, is it just the way that Brett Venables is using you? Didn't see a lot of positive reps in zone coverage for a guy who's clearly explosive. So I'm wondering where our, our zone awareness is, where our root combination recognition is in terms of feeling out down and distance, how many receivers to a side, and what common concept teams are using to beat you. I'm nowhere with that on AJ Terrell, which freaks me out a little bit if I'm going to move you into the slot at times because you need to be really aware in the slot of route concepts developing behind you when you're mm-hmm. in that curl flyer, that hook curl zone. I'm yeah. not sure he has that yet. Yeah, you got to have those eyes in the back of your head and the side of your head or whatever you want to yeah, call right. it when you're playing when you're playing nickel. Because like you said, there's so much there's so many threats around you. You don't have that boundary close to you, that extra defender, however you want to call it. You've got to be able to play everywhere. That's why I say I, I didn't even I didn't even really see Terrell as a as a slot guy at all. I almost see him exclusively as a as an outside guy. But to your point, he's got the he's got the feet to be able to move and Certainly. flip his hips quickly and potentially be a guy that you move there especially since a lot of slot roles are yeah they involve definitely a good amount of zone coverage you've got to be able to play you've got to be versatile but we're seeing a lot of teams get more aggressive and play some some serious close man coverage with with their corners and their nickel guys when they want to when they want to get really aggressive and if you have an athlete that is as fluid as Terrell is that gives you that option so i guess um yeah you taught me something you taught me something at the end of this podcast. I did my best. AJ Terrell could possibly be a slot guy. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? Ben, we've got top fives tomorrow. No, nope, top sevens. I'm not letting you out, man. I'm, I'm gonna, making you the podcast, do. Like, welcome inside. And I'm just going to scream my sevens <laughs> in the corner immediately. <laughs> That would be a way to do it. I'm waiting for you to really just kind of derail the beginning of a podcast like that. So a, such a ominous and 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 high strung and high stress. That would be two one and then just silence. Will Ben get his top seven off? What kind of questions will we have tomorrow? You guys stick around. Keep it locked right here on Lockdown NFL Draft.